Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lair Show on WNYC. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bridget Bergen, filling in for Brian today. The latest news about the news industry is increasingly dire. In recent months, there have been layoffs and buyouts at some of the most important and venerable media institutions, the Washington Post, NPR, even here at WNYC. Last week was particularly brutal after the Los Angeles Times axed 20 percent of its staff, more than 100 journalists. Magazines like Sports Illustrated and Time cut dozens of staffers. We've even seen entire publications like The Messenger fold suddenly. And then there are vital local media institutions like the great New York Daily News, where journalists staged a one-day walkout last week to fight back against more proposed cuts from its owner, Alden Capital Management. Now, it's not like there's any less news to cover. In fact, the shrinking of the journalism industry and the subsequent lack of trained reporters and editors working to hold people in power or seeking power accountable can have truly dire consequences for our communities and our democracy. We're going to get to more of that in a moment. But now... And this is the part, listeners, where if you could see me, I'm sitting up a little bit straighter and beaming with a little bit of alumni pride. We are going to speak to two people who brought us a bright spot in the world of journalism last week. On the same day that those reporters at our hometown paper were out protesting, our hometown public journalism school made a very big announcement. The Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York received a $10 million gift from Craig Newmark Philanthropies. That gift is setting the school on a path to offer students free tuition starting with half of the class in 2025. With additional fundraising, the goal is to be tuition-free for all in perpetuity. Free tuition for a master's degree, folks. Full disclosure, as I hinted, I am a graduate of the inaugural class that was then still called the CUNY Graduate School of Journalism, and I take great pride in it as a public institution, especially someone who proudly works in public media. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Craig Newmark himself and the dean of the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism, Graciela Mushkovsky, to discuss what that gift means, especially now at this very turbulent time for the industry. Dean, Craig, welcome to WNYC. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. And Craig, I want to start with you. You are the founder of Craigslist, an online classified ad service that many would say disrupted the business model for newspapers. Why have you opted to invest in journalism and specifically this journalism school now, given the ongoing tumult in the industry? Well, first, anyone who uh, thinks Craigslist had a massive effect on newspapers needs to look at the numbers that The Economist have started producing over the last five years. Turns out the effect Craigslist had is vastly exaggerated. Um, But why am I doing this? Well, the deal is that something I learned in uh, high school U.S. history is that our country's defense, our strength, relies on trustworthy journalists speaking truth to power. And that's a big theme in everything I do these days. Um, I support journalists speaking truth to power. I support uh, 
people defending us when it comes to cyber conflict. I try to help military, active service military families and vets. The only thing I'm doing right now that doesn't support protecting the country is pigeon rescue, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> um, so supporting journalists is a really big deal. And frankly, I don't want journalists to leave school with heavy student debt. Yeah. Uh, Dean, you have been in your role at what uh, many of us alumni call in shorthand the J School since 2022. Um, you're also a very busy working journalist for writing and reporting books, um, writing for magazines. What attracted you to this specific institution? So I joined uh, the, the Newmar J School in 2016 to found the first bilingual master's program. I'm originally from Argentina and uh, I was living here and there was this brilliant idea by my predecessor, Sarah Bartlett, to uh, start training bilingual reporters in Spanish and English to cover, to, re to reframe the narrative around, around Latino communities. So I joined the school there and I've been there since uh, my predecessor retired. I applied to the job. I was lucky enough to, to get it. And, um, you know, it, we are part of CUNY. We are part of this amazing engine of social mobility and civic participation in the city. Um, I'm very proud of the institution. I'm incredibly proud of our alumni and our students. Uh, they, they have made an in, a, a really, they really have made a difference in the industry. We have injected more talent of color, but also more imaginative and innovative journalist into the industry than probably any other school. So um, we really are uh, doing our part to um, help the industry reimagine itself and come out of the crisis that is going through now. Sure. It, can you talk more specifically about what this gift means in terms of how you can plan for the future and meet this moment for the industry? And why is free tuition such an important part of that? Yes. Um, so, you know, the, 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 mediums, the medium salary for reporters in the country today is about $55,000. So it's about $26 an hour. And in many local communities, journalists make $20,000 a year. So if, if you um, come out of uh, graduate school with a $20,000 or $50,000 debt, you're going to probably not Stick, stick around. You right. know, you will not take risks, you will be risk averse, and you will not survive in the industry probably because you don't, you can't afford it. So we can't allow that to happen. Journalism is public service. Our society, no matter the state of the industry, there's no doubt that journalism is still essential and we uh, will still be essential. And it's like, like having, you know, running out of nurses or firefighters yeah. or doctors. We need journalists in a democracy. So we're, what we're doing is trying to eliminate all the barriers of access for the people we need the most. We need journalism to really understand the communities uh, they serve. There has been another crisis that you didn't mention is the crisis of lack of diversity in many newsrooms across the country. So the country has changed, the Absolutely. demographics have changed, but the newsrooms are lagging behind. So that's what we have contributed so uh, strongly. And we also need the people who are going to come up with the solutions, you know, and find the paths forward. And that's the role of a journalism school. Maybe there was a time in which journalism school weren't as essential because the newsrooms had the resources to train the rookie reporter, to allow them to fail and catch them when they were, you know, and, yeah. and, until they learned and until they could do it. That is no longer the case for most newsrooms because of the lack of resources. So journalism schools have a role to play. We have a civic duty to to help find the ways forward for the industry. And that's how we do it. And so free tuition 
Um, it's, to me, the, the most significant way beyond uh, an excellent education and training um, and really prepare people for this industry. But, you know, just to, to get any access, uh, um, any barrier to access um, out of the way. Listeners, do you have questions about the future of journalism for my guests, Craig Newmark and Graciela Machkowski, Dean at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY? Any suggestions for the kinds of reporting you want to see more of in the world of journalism now? Any J school grads out there who want to talk about the value of getting this kind of training, whether you're still working in journalism or not? Give us a call. The number is 212-433-WNYC. That's 212-433-9692. You can also tweet us at that, text us at that number or tweet at Brian Lair. Um, much of the time, my time normally is dedicated to covering local politics and elections, institutions of power. And we know that um, a lot can happen when there are fewer reporters covering those local stories. I want to play about a minute from an interview that Brian did earlier this week with Paul Farhai about his latest essay in the excuse me, Fari, um, about his latest essay in The Atlantic uh, with a very ominous headline, Is American Journalism Headed Toward Extinction Level Event? Here's what he said about the consequences of fewer journalists specific to a very notorious local elected official. There was some local coverage of George Santos's uh, 2022 campaign, uh, a little bit uh, in a Long Island newspaper, weekly newspaper. But beyond that, it didn't get constant coverage. Um, it was assumed that, uh, I guess, he had been a candidate before and he had been vetted and uh, no one paid any much attention to him until the New York Times, after the election, uh, discovered all of the fabrications and serial lies uh, that George Santos told. And then, you know, what do you do about that? Well, I mean, we know what you do about that. He became this cause celeb. He was driven out of Congress and he's been indicted. But the question raised within the news media is where were the reporters before the election that could have warned off voters in his district to point out, you know, what a what a liar this guy was, the, the press, the watchdog failed in this case. And that's the nightmare scenario around the country, that if we keep cutting back uh, reporters, we keep cutting back newsroom resources, we won't have the means to cover the George Santoses of the future. Now, quick reminder to our listeners that early voting starts at a special election to fill the seat held by George Santos in eastern Queens in northern Nassau County tomorrow. But uh, Dean, Craig, I'm curious about your reaction to that clip. Craig, if you want to start. Um, there's a lot of good journalists across the country doing a lot of good reporting, and sometimes we don't notice it. And I'm guessing it means that they have to alert uh, people who are friendly to the press, like myself, to help get the word out. And I do follow through with that. I, I want to say, so that's that's totally true, and there's a lot of research, um, recent research that shows that when a community lacks uh, reliable news from local um, uh, events, uh, there's they, they tend to vote less, and there's less civic engagement, and there's uh, it tends to be more corruption among public ofi- officials. Um, so so there's no, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's clear, and we can show research now to show about the impact of lacking uh, reliable source of news, particularly for local communities. I wanted to reframe a little bit the, the, what you mentioned at the beginning about the state of the industry. So in, what, I, what I see, actually, if you look at the big picture, 
the, the industry, the traditional local, uh, the traditional news industry is now uh, in a moment of deep, profound transformation. But there's also a moment of emergence that I think uh, we as journalists, because we're trained to look at what's not working in our society, are kind of missing um, a side of. And there's, we are in the middle of um, an unprecedented effort by philanthropic um, funders and organizations and, and donors and uh, to to raise uh, to create a new culture of philanthropy to support journalism and local news and to connect a health the idea of a health journalism industry with a healthy democracy mm. that is unprecedented there's this press forward uh, effort that is raising uh, is trying to raise a billion dollars to support local news and uh, the most important part beyond the the number and the figure which is of course is not enough to sustain everything but the most important part is that they are really creating a new culture of philanthropic giving uh, that will go towards journalism. We're also seeing an unprecedented movement, national movement, trying to engage public officials and government in uh, in funding journalism with public funds. Um, and the, the argument behind this movement is that if journalism is public service, then it has to be seen as public service by government and by mm -hmm. uh, you know people in, in, in positions of authority. And it needs to be protected. Uh, we are also seeing, uh, to me, fantastic still small outlets, but a proliferation of news, a new type of newsrooms, uh, most of them led by people of color across the country that are changing the way in which uh, newsrooms come up with a news agenda. So they go to the communities to understand what they, their information needs are before they decide what to cover. And that has been really exciting. And that is working. There are also, you know, mo mostly local media and traditional media, the business model mm -hmm. is not working. And that's why we're seeing all these layoffs and it's terrible. But we're also seeing some uh, organizations, some large organizations and smaller that are thriving financially and that are doing, you know, that are doing better than, than they did in the past. So I really see this as a moment of uh, transformation. I think we're going to see this moment in the future, like my uh, colleague, Sarah Beth Berman, who runs the American Journalism Project, has put it. She says that it took a generation to unravel the news industry and it's going to take another generation to rebuild it. So I think part of our mission at the school is to train that generation that's going to rebuild it. Okay. Do, you have, do you have something to add, Craig? Well, I'm particularly interested in supporting the City University of New York because for a couple hundred years, it's been about helping people get uh, good jobs, people who would grow up with little or no money. They could get good jobs, get into the middle class, maybe do even better than that. And that's a pretty fine expression, I think, of uh, New York City values. The deal is you give the other person a break, you do what you can. If you happen to be lucky enough to make a lot of money, then you do what you can to give a hand to, uh, to other people and to uh, spread that around as much as you can. That means also supporting other, uh, other forms of journalism, local journalism in New York City. I'm fond of Hellgate and the Village Sun. And about five years ago, I went to both uh, the city and something called WNYC. Oh, I've heard of them. I don't <laughs> know about them. But too many tote bags. And <laughs> Never enough tote bags. My, my deal is I went to both of them and I said, well, I can give you 100K a year for 25 years, or I could just give you two and a half million now, because you could make better use of it that way. And so that's what I did there. So the idea is to uh, 
Well, if you're successful, if you're lucky that way, a lot of people pull up the ladders and so other people can't get into the middle class or better. But uh, an alternative way of doing things is to make more ladders, to help more people get into the middle class or better. That's a good way to spend money. I I appreciate both, um, Dean, your optimism and, uh, Craig, your ladders. Um, I want to introduce um, a, a caller to this conversation who, who gets at a question that I wanted to ask both of you. TJ in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Good morning, Bridget, and good morning, Craig. Uh, my question, too, is about AI. AI seems to be uh, in its infancy replacing lots of positions, you know, like doctors, journalists, lawyers, etc., etc. Do you, I mean, are you afraid that in the future, I mean, uh, AI would displace journalists and uh, journalists would be out of a job? TJ, thanks for your question. Um, And for anyone who who didn't hear it, 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 the question is about AI, artificial intelligence. Um, It's certainly a potentially disruptive technology. Um, It's got a lot of potential. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you. Um, First, how you are are viewing it and maybe even interacting, teaching it at the J School, mm-hmm. um, and then your view on it, Craig. So we've been teaching artificial intelligence since 2015, actually. It, we didn't call it that way. We call it machine learning mm-hmm. or interrogating the algorithm. We were very focused um, on the biases that are inherent to these algorithms and this um, artificial intelligence. And we have uh, actually uh, been you know, teaching and incorporating into the curriculum for quite some time. So what we're doing now is we have we are assembling right now um, an incredible um, uh, group of thinkers who kind of come from tech, people who are developing the, developing the technology, people who are using the technology. As um, uh, um, our neighbors said, it's still a very new thing, but it's still going very fast and really mm-hmm. transforming the world around us. So we want to understand how journalists can use AI. This is a technology, it's, it's, there's no going back. and you know, not having this transforming the world is going to happen. It's very early. So I think we have a say, journalists and the news industry and journalism school, we still have a say and we need to fight for it to be able to um, frame it and shape it in a way that can actually help journalism instead of harming it, of course, with the harm, you know, the the possibilities of harm in mind. Well, I don't think we know how powerful generative AI will be. It may be of assistance in newsrooms in terms of uh, maybe writing copy. But humans are needed to gather the intelligence, the information that journalists need to work with. Humans are needed to analyze that intelligence. And humans are needed to speak truth to power. So that's the vital role of, uh, of journalists. They need to show courage figure out what's going on, and then call out people and hold them accountable. And uh, generative AI systems, uh, I don't think we'll get that far, certainly not uh, in my lifetime. Um, I want to go to Mary in Sunnyside, Queens. Mary, you're on WNYC. Oh, I am. Thank you. (laughs) 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 Uh, So I'm thrilled to be here. I think what everyone so far has said is just terrific. Um, I'm actually a photojournalist, but um, my training is in Italian and economics and uh, fine arts, but um, I, pra- I do. My work is um, documenting the Mexican community in New York since the 90s. So I think it's exciting that there's philanthropy 
that there's this initiative of City College to support young um, people who don't have the means to pay for their education. Um, my daughter's a student there, so um, she's studying a different field, but um, I think we're, we're going in the right direction. Mary, thanks so much for your call. Um, and part of what you do at the, the J School, you know, it is a comprehensive curriculum, so photographers are, are very much part of what people, one of the skills people learn while they're there, right? Yes, so we have, actually we have um, a core curriculum, so everybody leaves the master's with understanding how to report, how to fact check, how to be rigorous, uh, gather information and sharing that information and serving the information needs of the communities. We also have a very, you know, we, we train around the ethics of journalism and the mission of journalism, so people know, understand exactly what, how their jobs are needed and why um, they're needed in our, in our communities. And then we train a lot of, um, you know, we have very a lot of specializations. We have a, a, photo, a photojournalism specialization. We have a documentary specializ specialization, a business and economics, arts and culture, uh, international reporting, uh, local accountability reporting, bilingual reporting, uh, data journalism, which is very strong. We have an amazing audio uh, reporting um, uh, concentration. Uh, many of your colleagues are teaching for us there. <laughs> and uh, and many of your of our students end up working, alumni end up working for this um, uh, station. Uh, so we offer a training that so everybody who leaves, um, when by the time they graduate, they're able to do the basic, um, everything that is basic to journalism, but they also have a deep specialization in, in a medium. And they're really, um, I think what we do that we're very good at is that we really train reporters and editors and news leaders and journalists for the industry um, as is, but also for the industry of the future. It's a, it, we also train um, uh, or, or develop, help develop an ability to adapt to changes and to continue changing with the industry. Uh, Dean, it, you talked about how the school has always had a mission and a commitment to training uh, a diverse uh, group of journalists um, and making sure that the voices of our entire community are reflected in the newsrooms where we work. Um, and for those of you who are, you know, may not be for listeners who aren't familiar, can you talk a little about a bit about the Center for Community Media that's also at the J School? Sure. Um, so we have a Center of Community Media that serves uh, media outlets um, in the Black media, Latino media, Asian media, and immigrant media sectors. Uh, the purpose of that center is to help, or maybe to work with these uh, with these outlets and with these publishers and journalists, and um, work with them to find sustainability and to find. Uh, solutions to problems they might have. Uh, in some cases, that is, you know, they need training. Uh, we, we are doing a lot of AI training with these organizations, for example. In some cases, it's training around an, uh, election coverage and ethics around elections coverage. In some cases, it's about how to find new sources of revenue, how to um, serve their communities uh, better and understand what is it that the communities are needing in terms of information. Uh, we've also developed um, very, in, I think, critical research around these uh, sectors. We have national maps of black media, of Latino media. We just launched the one on Asian media. We have directories of outlets. Um, one of the issues these outlets and, uh, have suffered as much as their communities is the lack of visibility mm. for mainstream media and for 
uh, communities that are not the ones they serve. So we've tried to eliminate that and bring them, um, um, get them to be seen by everybody else. So we've done also a lot of research about content, about how they've covered uh, the COVID pandemic, for example. Um, so it's, there's a lot of um, uh, training and support, and then also connect, connecting them to the larger mainstream media ecosystem. Tom in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hi there. Um, I was a uh, public relations person for a big financial company that I won't mention. Um, and uh, what has happened in the last uh, over six or seven years, four journalists who used to write about financial services in particular uh, are now working for the company that I used to do public relations with. So I knew all four of these folks. And uh, I think it reflects the the numbers of people who've left journalism and moved into even public relations or different kinds of communications functions within big financial firms since, since the financial crisis, really. So on one particular industry, finance and financial services, I've seen those numbers. It's been amazing. And as I said, four people who I used to work with when they were journalists are now working for the the firm that uh, I used to be a PR for, person for, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same in other industries. Tom, thanks for that call. Um, Dean, Craig, I mean, we do see a lot of movement often in, in later years uh, for journalists from journalism to PR. Um, I know for me, I started in communications and meant to journalism, mm-hmm. but, you know, but can you speak to that, this idea that um, the sustainability of these careers, um, it's, it's really hard work. You know, not only is the industry in this point of shift, but the work itself is hard. Yes. So, I, I, you know, I've been thinking, of course, a, a lot about this. So, you know, when you're trained as a journalist, you actually have, you're trained to do many things. So you're able to, uh, you're going to be good at a lot of other jobs if you're if you're a really good journalist. You're very good at finding solutions. You're very good at being in any situation and understanding what's happening around you. You're very good as a communicator. You're very good at telling stories. Uh, you're very good at doing it in very dif- in many different um, formats and medium. Um, we are, and of course, that's a very personal decision. And because of what I was talking about, about kind of the lower lowering salaries in the industry and all these layoffs, some people have found um, that they needed to, you know, they needed to pay the bills and they needed a different job, and that's totally fine. Uh, and I think, you know, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We are uh, trying to eliminate tuition so that we actually don't force people in that direction when they don't want to go in that direction, when they want to stay in journalism. Uh, you know, most of the people who become a journalist, and you know this because you're one, but maybe people who are listening don't. You know, we are people who are who really believe in um, in making a difference, in, in really be, being part of a larger world than just our worlds. We like to know what's happening. We like to understand why things happen. We, we like to be part of history as, it, as it's happening. And we like to be able to translate that and, and explain and, and share information that is meaningful to people, that people need to make decisions. So why the two subways derailed in New York City two weeks ago? I know yeah. it because I was listening to you in my car and I, I, I finally knew. So was it safe to be on the subway or not? So being able to answer those questions that affect uh, questions that impact the life of our neighbors and our communities is a wonderfully rewarding feeling. And the sense of service, I think we all have this sense of public service. We like to be 
helpful and we like to have an impact that will make our societies better. So, you know, I just feel sad when somebody makes a decision to abandon the field when they were passionate about it and yeah. they and they lose this this kind of significance and, and worth in their lives. And I hope they can come back. Uh, some people decide it's not for them and that's totally fine too. And they yeah. will have the skills. They're probably very good at that PR firm and, I'm, you know, and they, they might enjoy it more. Uh, <laughs> it might be better for their lives. But I, I'm hoping that we can help the people who don't want to make that move and who want to stay reporting uh, to keep their jobs and eliminating student debt is a huge part of that um, decision. Absolutely. Um, before I let you two go, Dean, there's one other exciting partnership from the school that I, I want to shout out since there's an upcoming deadline, um, and it's your partnership with Howard University and yes. other HBCUs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So we have a new partnership with uh, the Center for Journalism and Democracy at Howard, Howard University uh, to train uh, undergrad students from all of the you know historic, historically black colleges and universities uh, around the nation on data journalism. Uh, data that's an area in journalism where there's actually more jobs. There's, there's, that's a very, um, that's a growing side of the industry, and it's a very important one because if you can uh, find data and understand data and translate it into stories, that's a very powerful source of um, reliable reporting. But also to what Craig was saying before, you know, like, um, you know, to to check power and to find through data uh, how government and how, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the finances are being, you know, how money is being spent, how uh, power is being used, etc. How, you know, um, housing is, being, public housing is being allocated. What, you know, you, there's so many stories that rely, important stories that rely on reliable data. And that's a very hard job to find it and mine it and translate it. So um, the, the, that's a growing side of the industry, as I was saying, but it's a very, um, there's a lot of there's not a lot of diversity in that side of the industry. So we are always looking at those um, gaps. And so we decided to partner with this, um, with this wonderful university to, to try to fill that gap. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to start at the undergrad level. And, and I think the application for those undergrads is due later this month. In February. Um, in yes. February. So if you're a student at an HBCU and you're listening right now, check it out on the CUNY New, uh, Newmark Graduate School of Journalism's website. It's a pretty exciting opportunity. Um, we're going to have to leave it there for now. My guests have been Craig Newmark, founder of Craigslist and Craig Newmark Philanthropies, and Dean Graciela Moczkowski of the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism. Thanks so much to you both for coming on. Thanks. Thank you for having us. <laughs>